Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. And I hope you caught last week's episode. It was a good one. I got a lot of good feedback about that. I had Dr. Josh Spitalnik on the show. I really, really like talking to him. He has a similar style, and I just like the way he approaches anxiety. So check that out. If you didn't hear it, we were talking all about health anxiety. We're talking about how um, physical symptoms show up for our anxious kids and how we kind of have to approach them in a counterintuitive way. So that was episode 149. Check it out if you haven't. And I did forget to mention during that episode that he did stick around and recorded a separate video for the AT Parenting community on separation anxiety and some pointers and some highlights on how parents should help their kids with separation anxiety. So if you are in the AT Parenting community, definitely check that out. You will find that if you go to the dashboard, you'll find it on the expert spotlight page. So I want to talk today about diagnoses. I did get somebody contact me, a parent contact me and asked me to do a podcast on whether it's a good idea to tell your child they have anxiety or OCD to let them know that they have an anxiety disorder or OCD disorder. Um, Well, you don't have an OCD disorder, but you have OCD. And I thought it was a really good topic because I have a lot of opinions about this and it really does impact treatment and it impacts the child's ability to progress. So we're going to get all into what my thoughts are on that topic. And I want to thank the parent who brought that topic to my attention because it's really helpful when I hear about the topics that you guys want me to talk about. And, uh, it's a, it's an important one and it's one I haven't talked about before in a full episode. So we'll get into it and I'll talk about why I think this way and how to approach your kids. And before we dive into it, I just wanted to give you updates about what's going on in the AT parenting community. I am gearing up for my AT. I don't know why I keep saying AT (laughs) for my three-part video series on self-care for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. If you have not gotten onto the wait list, you might want to join because it is a week-long video series and then I take it down. And I am doing it again because I got so many people emailing me after it was taken down saying that they missed it. And I actually got some people who wanted to show their partners the series and were upset that it was gone. So I've decided to bring it back out to the world again. And if you're not on the wait list to hear about it, you can just text the word AT self care. That's AT self care, all one word to four, four, two, two, two. And I will add you to the wait list and I will notify you as soon as the first video is up. Join us. It's going to be good. Um, I was shocked at how many people were impacted and how their lives were changed by it last time. It was very touching. Marriages were helped. Parents were helped. Kids were helped. It really, it just improved the entire household. So I hope to see you over there for that. And let's talk about anxiety and OCD and diagnoses. So I am often asked by parents in my practice, I'm often 
asked a lot in the AT parenting community and in the Facebook group, the larger one, do I tell my child they have anxiety or do I tell my child they have OCD? And if I do, is that going to stigmatize them? Because they're going to see all the social media. They're going to see the, the inaccurate portrayal of especially OCD in the world. And they're going to think there's something wrong with them. Or even if you don't have that concern, you might just not want to label them. You might think giving them a label is cruel or is going to hurt their view of themselves. Or there's, there's a lot of other reasons too. Um, some parents will tell me, I think, and they're not as articulate about this, but sometimes giving it a name kind of validates it and it confirms that it's real. So if I say my child has an anxiety disorder, or if I tell my child you have OCD, then I'm making it real. And a lot of times too, so I'm giving you, I'm giving you all the reasons why parents feel uncomfortable telling their children that they have anxiety or OCD. So there's the feeling of the self-esteem and the labeling, but there's also some parent issues too, as far as they're worried about the stigma, right? So they're worried about having a child who has anxiety or OCD. They're worried about how their friends or family will view it. And they're worried sometimes about, about how they view it. And so sometimes just not acknowledging it can be, can feel like a safer thing than really, you know, kind of outing it in a way. So I want to talk about why I think it's actually incredibly important and helpful to let your child know that they have anxiety or OCD. And, um, I know that's a hard thing to, to share with your child. And we're going to talk about a little bit about how to do that. I do have well, we'll get into it, but I have to, I have kids, YouTube videos on it and how to explain it to them. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But when, when I tell a child that there's a name for what they have and that they are not alone and that one out of every 200 kids has what they're struggling with and that it's very common, but people just don't go around with big billboards shouting to the world that they have anxiety or OCD. There is huge relief. There is huge relief to know that they are not crazy, that they are not alone, that it's not just something they're making up. And when it comes to OCD, and especially some of the harder ones like moral OCD or scrupulosity OCD or harm OCD, and even the other OCD subtypes as well, but especially moral, there is even more of a relief because a big part of that is feeling like you're a bad person. And so when you help explain to them why they're getting those intrusive thoughts and how it's not them, you know, and this is what moral OCD is, and this is what it looks like. There is just crazy amounts of relief I've seen with kids every single time I've told them. I have yet to see a child that didn't have that look of relief on their face and especially how you say it to them. And we'll get into that in a second. But I think when you, when you don't tell them specifically, Hey, you have an anxiety disorder, you don't have to use the word disorder, um, but you have anxiety. This is what anxiety is. It's bigger than worries. It's something that, um, some people have, but some people don't have it. And I'll, I'll talk about how I explain it to kids in a second. I know I keep saying that, but I'm like wanting to go there and I'm like, not there yet. So I'm like, Natasha, bring it back. We're not there yet. But cause I really want to stress first the importance and, and why it's important. 
So if I'm a child with diabetes and when I, you know, eat the wrong things or when my sugar level drops, I feel really shaky and I feel almost panicky and I break out into cold sweats and then I take my medicine, I feel better. If you never told me I have diabetes, I'm going to wonder what's wrong with me. Why am I feeling so shaky sometimes? Why do I all of a sudden feel really panicky and sweaty when, when I'm just sitting there doing my homework, right? So when we tell a child, well, the reason why you feel that way is because you have diabetes and your sugar levels dropping. And when you feel that way, you know, we need to get something into you or take your medicine or alter your medicine. Um, I'm not raising a child with diabetes, thank goodness, because it's rampant in my family. So I may not have the lingo down, but we, we teach our children why that's happening and to monitor their blood sugar so that they can keep tabs on it. And then those feelings are not as scary for them. I'm sure they're still scary in the sense that nobody wants to feel that way, but the mystery is gone. And we can do the same thing for our kids so that when they feel panic or when they feel scared and nobody else is scared, you know, when they have feelings or fears that seem nonsensical or they intellectually know they don't make sense, but they can't help that their body is freaking out. That can really hit a child's self-esteem 10 times more than saying, Hey, there's a name for that. And you're not alone. And there's lots of people with it too, because to know you're having a false alarm and that's not your fault is, is taking that burden from them and taking that stress of, Oh my gosh, why can't I tolerate anything? Or for OCD, why do I have to do all these bizarre rituals and do all these compulsions that nobody else seems to have to do? This is my little secret that I have to do all of these things. Or I feel like um, I feel either discomfort or I feel anxiety, or I feel like the world's going to end whatever that discomfort is for them. But uncertainty is something that they can't tolerate. And to help put it in perspective, the first thing you do is you package it with a name. And if you don't package it with a name, then we have nothing to put in that package because there's nothing holding it. We have no vessel to hold all the information that we want to pour into them. It's very hard to skirt around the issue of saying what the name is when we're trying to pour stuff into this vessel, just to use my analogy, when there's nothing to hold that information together. And and we really want to organize information for our kids. Now, some parents do worry about the child going around telling everybody and and their mother <laughs> that they have anxiety or OCD and they're not very good at filtering. And that might be something that you want to address with your child and talk to them about as far as who they want to share this information with and who they don't and the ramifications of that because not everybody is kind and not everybody is understanding and there are stereotypes in the world, but the benefits far outweigh the, the cons in my opinion and, and letting them know what's going on in their world is so important. So this, this conversation actually came up a couple of times in the Facebook group And it also came up in the AT Parenting Community Group. And I've seen that over the last five years in doing this work with anxiety and OCD. I've seen it pop up a lot in my online world. Um, I see it in my private practice as well, but I've just seen it be such a common issue with every parent as far as when do I tell them? Do I tell them? How do I tell them? Should I tell them? So I think the short answer is yes, 
please tell them. It's an important thing. It reduces stress. They deserve to know. And then it's about how to tell them. Because when kids know that it's not about them, when kids know that it's a physiological issue, and then when they know that there's something called neuroplasticity, that we can change our brain, and that by changing our thoughts and our behaviors, we change the the physical formation of our brain. And I explain this to even little, little kids. Um, I don't go into the science as much with little, little kids, but with kids who are older, you know, eight and up, I definitely talk about neuroplasticity. I teach them that word and I show them um, slides in my practice and, and I've made videos for those of you that are in the AT parenting community, the science slide on what is OCD and the um, explanation of what is anxiety. You have two videos in there. And I have some on YouTube as well, but not in the sciency perspective that really, really help kids understand like what is going on with their brain. And you can explain it in a very kid-friendly way. So when I am telling a child that they have anxiety or OCD, first I listen to them and I want to hear all about their symptoms and what's going on. I don't want them to think I'm just smacking a label on them, but as a parent, if your child is having very clear symptoms and you are in a place, whether you're in a country, a lot of the AT parenting community members are in countries that don't have access to good mental health. And a lot of them are in rural areas or areas around the country in the United States that just don't have access to good anxiety and OCD treatment. So you don't have to wait for a professional to to give you their blessing to say, yes, your child has anxiety. Yes, your child has OCD. If you are a very educated, informed parent and you have soaked up my information and other professionals' information, you read books on anxiety or OCD, it's not rocket science to know whether your child is having anxiety or OCD. Not that you're going around diagnosing everybody and anybody, but if you have no access to care, you don't need to wait you know, seven months to get into a therapist before you start to educate your child on what anxiety or OCD is. And I see that happening a lot in the communities that I support where parents are waiting, they can't get in. And now they're in this holding circle because they're like, well, I don't really want to tell them that because I don't know for sure because I'm not professional. And I would say, you know, if my child is having to tap three times and to ward off bad things from happening and they're washing their hands until like they're raw or they're having to confess to me like five zillion times a day, there, there are glaringly obvious symptoms of OCD or anxiety. Anxiety is even easier really because anxiety is not as um, mysterious or sometimes nonsensical. And so with anxiety, I mean, yeah, if my child can't go to school or if they can't go to sleep on their own, or if they can't even go upstairs by themselves, or they're afraid of everything and anything, it's not rocket science to say, Hey, you have anxiety. Let me tell you what anxiety is. And let me tell you how it works. And anxiety runs in the family. And you know, uncle Bob, he's anxious, you know, grandma, she's anxious. And so my, my point in that is you don't have to necessarily wait for a professional to give you the blessing to go and educate your child on anxiety or OCD. You don't have to say you have OCD if you feel uncomfortable with that, but you could say, Hey, this is what OCD is. And I think it's important that you know about it. Um, you know, sometimes you're doing things that seem like it's OCD. I mean, if you're not comfortable with being very direct, 
you can definitely soften it and still educate your child because education is the first step. So when I have kids that come to me in my practice and they're already educated, they have watched my YouTube videos or they have read books on anxiety or OCD. The parents have educated them and they haven't seen a therapist, but they're very, very well-educated they just skipped like three or four sessions. Like we are moving right into good work and good treatment because they already know the basics. So save yourself some time and start educating your kids. And if they're in treatment, talk to your provider and make sure that your child fully understands what anxiety or OCD is, because without that knowledge, then we're not going to have a very empowered child because we're not doing treatment to them. We're doing it with them. And we can't do it with them if they don't know what they're treating. If they don't know what they're battling. If they don't know what they're trying to fix. So that's a very, very important first step. And the way that I explain anxiety or OCD to kids is I say that, and I, I have a little bit of a different take, whether I'm talking to a child who just has anxiety or a child who has OCD. So it is a little bit different, but I tell them that first I normalize it. And I say, anxiety and OCD are super common you know, like I said, one out of 200 kids have it. That means there's quite a few kids in your school who have it. They just don't go around talking about it. Do you go around talking about it? No. Okay. So there's other people just like you. And and what we're going to talk about, like what the struggle is with anxiety or OCD. But first I want to tell you about the amazing parts about people who have anxiety or OCD. So then I'll start to list off some of what I consider the superpowers to anxious kids or kids with OCD. And I'll talk about how, you know, usually these kids are highly intelligent and I'm not talking to them. I'm just talking about what these type of kids look like. And it starts to resonate with them. You know, these kids are normally highly intelligent. They're normally very kind hearted. They can feel other people's feelings. And they're, they're the first person to notice if somebody in the corner over there is having a hard time you know, they're like the first people to notice that because they are tuned in and aware of people's emotions and they're super kind people. And they're also very creative. They're out of the box thinkers. And so a lot of kids with anxiety or OCD are, they like to create things, invent things, um, build things or do art or anything creative. They might write stories. They're just super creative people in general. So we want to highlight those things. And then I say, I don't want to take away all of those superpowers. And those do come with kids who have this thing called anxiety or OCD. So we're not going to get rid of those because those are good. The other, the the part that's not fun is the part where it makes you overthink. It makes you worry. It makes you do things or avoid things that other people can do. And that's not fun. And so we're going to take that part away and keep the rest of you so that you can shine and get a little bit of that yuckiness off of you. So that's how I describe it to kids because I want it to be uplifting from the get-go. I'm not a fan of the term mental illness. Um, it's not like I'm offended if somebody uses it, you know, cause we all need to just calm down on a lot of stuff, but I don't use that language with kids, um, because I don't want them to see it as an illness and I don't really talk about it disorders per se. I don't say, you know, you have an anxiety disorder, but I don't shy away from it either. But, and when I explain what OCD is, I do include the disorder, you know, it's obsessive compulsive disorder. And sometimes kids will say, what's a disorder. And I said, Oh, it's just a fancy name for the thing that, that some people have, but not everybody has. So you can, you can minimize some of those things. We don't want to pathologize them, but we do want them to realize that their brain is different and it's different in really good ways, but 
it's different in some bad ways too. And then I talk about upgrading their, their brain. (laughs) So for anxiety, I talk about a lifeguard and I talk about how your lifeguard is, and I have this whole like long story about how I explain that to kids. And I talk about how, you know, their lifeguard is trying to keep them safe, but it's hitting the emergency belt like all the time. And that's very annoying because now, you know, you're thinking there's like a life threatening emergency all the time. I have to go to bed. Oh my gosh. Life threatening emergency. I have to go to school. (gasps) Life threatening emergency. So I talk to kids and I'm not going to go in detail right now, just because that's not the purpose of this episode. I like to be very, very succinct and to the point, but when I talk to kids about that, I'll say that's version 1.0 and we want to upgrade to version 2.0. And the cool thing about your brain is you can upgrade. Um, and the way that we upgrade is we don't respond to version 1.0. We tell version 1.0 of lifeguard that, you know, thanks for the warning, but this, this is okay because we're rebooting you and we're getting a new version. So I'll use that analogy for kids, especially the ones that don't want to destroy, um, the lifeguard or the worry cloud, you know, sometimes I'll use a more aggressive analogy or metaphor, depending on the child and their style of, um, their personality and their style of, of trying to, to beat their anxiety. And with OCD, we want to explain that to them as well. We want to explain that OCD lies to them and makes them hyper-focus on things and makes them have an intrusive thought, feeling, or image. And I always include those three things because sometimes, um, people are like, well, it's not a thought, you know, it's just a feeling. I feel like I have a feeling of grossness or disgust, or it's not a thought or a feeling. I just have this image in my head and it's very unsettling that I can't get rid of it. Or I have this song in my head and I can't get rid of it. And so we want to explain that it, that OCD is having an intrusive thought, feeling image or song in their head. And then they have to do or avoid something all the time to get rid of that feeling. But the sad part is the more you do or avoid, you're feeding your OCD and the more it grows bigger. When they have that framework, when they have that vessel, then you can kind of, it's like, then you can paint by, not paint by number, but you can connect the dots, right? So you can say, okay, well, right now you're feeling like you're a bad person. And so your compulsion, and I use the words that adults use because I want to educate my kids and I want to educate the kids I work with. And so I use the word compulsion. I use the word, um, intrusive thoughts. I use the word exposures. I do not baby it down for kids because when they're older and they go to see another therapist, I want them to have the real language. I want them when an adult therapist says, did you ever do exposures? I don't want that child to look at the therapist and be like, I don't know. Well, what are your compulsions? what's that? I don't know. So we want them to have this language. And I think sometimes parents are afraid to use that language because it sounds clinical, sounds scary, but we're arming them with knowledge for life. And, and my perspective is we are, we are coaching them how to coach themselves forever. So we're not doing this to them. We're evolving them. And I always tell the kids I work with, I am teaching you how to be your own best anxiety or OCD therapist, depending on what they have. So I won't always say OCD if they don't have OCD, but I want you to be able to tackle any new fear or any new anxiety or for OCD, any new intrusive thought, feeling, or image that gets stuck in your head. I want you to be able to know exactly how you're going to tackle that. And so I want you to have the skills, the general skills to tackle any new thought that pops up because you know, the framework, you know how to do it. 
And they can't have that framework if they don't understand where they're operating from, which is from the the place of I have anxiety or I have OCD and OCD causes me to have an intrusive thought, feeling image or song in my head. And I have to do or avoid something. So now I can, I can input anything into that formula, the algorithm and spit out exactly what I should be doing. So, Oh, I'm having an intrusive thought. I guess my compulsion is to tell my mom. So I need to, you know, try to delay not telling my mom or not tell her at all to upset my O cloud or whatever language you're going to use. So that's how it can be really, really helpful in not only therapy, but really therapy is just one little modality, but life, right? We want our kids to be able to own this and own it, not in a negative way, but own it in an empowering way that says, you know what? OCD runs in my family or anxiety runs in my family. And maybe it doesn't for you, but somewhere down that gene pool, maybe it does. And And, you know, I have anxiety, but anxiety doesn't have me. And I always say that to my kids. And I always say to the kids I work with, I say, I've had anxiety my whole life, but it doesn't have me anymore because I'm in control. I notice when it shows up and I do something different with it. So I didn't get rid of my anxiety. I didn't get rid of my lifeguard version 1.0. I have just quieted him down and I've rebooted to 2.0. Now, sometimes the old track wants to play, but I don't listen to it. I recognize that it's there, but I don't give it my attention. I just say, hello, 1.0. Remember we have 2.0 right now, so we're not going to be listening to you, but thanks for showing up. And, and I move on. So when you're explaining anxiety or OCD to your kids, um, you can do it by showing them one of my kid YouTube videos and I'll leave links below in the show notes so that you can not have to look around on my YouTube channel if you don't want to. But, um, those are actually two of my most popular videos because that's where you should start. So I have one on what is anxiety or why do I have anxiety? I think is actually what it's called. And I have one on what is OCD and those are directly for kids. And it might be a good place for you to start watch them first without your kids. I always say that to parents, watch my videos first and, and then you decide whether it's appropriate or not. Or if you have a therapist, have the therapist watch it first and say, do you think it's okay to show her or him and then show them. So you always want to use your own judgment because I don't know your kids. I don't know where they are in treatment and this is not therapy. And if you have a therapist, talk to them, talk to them about, you know, does my child really understand anxiety or OCD? Are we empowering them enough? Because really at the end of the day, we're going to, you know, grow old and retire and and live in Florida and our kids are going to go on and have a full life without us. We'll see them, but then we're not part of their day-to-day life. And are they going to be well-trained? Are they going to be well-trained to know, oh, I'm having an anxious thought and I really don't want to do this, but I know that's my anxiety. So I'm going to lean into it because I don't want to grow my anxiety. Or, oh, I have a new intrusive thought and I'm very well educated on all the different types of ways that OCD can trick me and fool me. And so I'm, I recognize this and I'm going to do an exposure. So I am trying to teach kids to develop a lifestyle of constantly calling out their anxiety or OCD and constantly crushing it. And they can't do that if they don't know that they need to show up to a battle. And anxiety and OCD, unfortunately, does not go away but it is very, very manageable. And so I, that's why I always say I have anxiety, but it doesn't have me because 
it's not like I cured my anxiety and my anxiety is gone. It is constantly knocking at my door, but it doesn't upset me to the level. I can intellectually look at it and just be like, huh, that's interesting that you're trying to make me nervous about that. Um, yeah, good try, but I'm still going to do it. So that's how we have to train our kids. OCD doesn't just go away, you know, new thoughts, new feelings, new intrusive images or, or thoughts are going to pop up with our kids, but is it going to rock their world or are they just going to notice it and then, and ignore it or poke back at it or do an exposure around it that makes or breaks their future life. And so for me, I'm teaching my kids all about it so that they can, um, have their eyes open and be their own creators of, of their own treatment as they move forward. And, and I hope that happens to your kids as well, because empowerment is so key. Education is always the first place I start with anyone. And I think it's where you should start as well. So resources to look at as far as how to help your child. Um, definitely the quick version would be my kid YouTube videos. There are also amazing books on anxiety or OCD. So I would reckon, I would recommend looking and getting some of those. Um, they're, they're different and they're different. They can speak differently to your kids, depending on where your child is at. So, um, I like practicing being brave. That's a good one. Um, what to do when your brain gets stuck is a good one. I actually prefer Don Hebner's more recent book called outsmarting worry. Um, I would prefer that one if your child is a little bit older and what to do when you worry too much. It's always a good staple. Um, I like, um, I like Andy Green's books, um, for really young kids. Don't feed the worry bug. That's a really cute one. And she's got a couple of other ones too. Um, I like unraveling Rose for kids that are young and are, um, that's actually, that's a, it's an OCD book. It's an OCD book, but I actually really like it for picking and pulling too. I think that's a really good one for that. There really are so many, um, books that I think are really excellent. There are a lot of good, like kid, like tweenish books that are really good or even young, young tweens. <laughs> Can you be a young tween? I don't think so. But guts is a really good book. She's the author of Smile and a lot of other popular books. And so if your child has a metaphobia, Guts, The Fear of Throw Up, Guts is a really good one. There's a lot of good graphic novels. There's OCD Daniel, um, which is a kind of like a graphic novel. Uh, well, actually, I don't think it's a graphic novel. It's just a novel, but it's it's for kids. And um, it's about a boy who's struggling with OCD. There are actually more and more books coming out there that are for different ages that really help kids. Um, oh, I actually forgot to mention my book. <laughs> I'm like not a good promoter. And I have my book, Anxiety Sucks, a teen survival guide. And that is actually for kids, I would say between the ages of like nine and young adult and super simple, very, very like just to the point book on what anxiety is. It's not for OCD. It's for anxiety. One day I feel like maybe I'll write um, OCD sucks, but I haven't yet. So it's, it's in the works in my head. So, well, I hope that you found this episode helpful. I hope that I was able to kind of give you a different perspective, perhaps of what you were thinking, or just to kind of validate the approaches that you're already taking. Either way is a really good thing. So if you're enjoying my show, um, 
and you feel like giving back, which I really feel like everybody should, um, you can hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. And I greatly appreciate that. That actually does really impact the show. Every rating helps where the show is rated overall, and then it can be viewed and discovered by more people. And that's really the ultimate goal is how do we get this podcast to the people who need it? So sharing this episode or sharing my podcast in general to other friends and family that are struggling with anxiety is a gift to them because we need to spread free information to people. And this is just one way to do it. If you are enjoying the podcast, you've been listening for a while, or if you're new and you're like, oh my gosh, this is helpful, please consider leaving a review. Every review helps and it tells other parents that there's value in the show. So to show my gratitude, I always like to end the show reading one of them. So twins, mama 13 said, Natasha, thank you so much for these podcasts. I found out about your community searching for SM, which means selective mutism and social anxiety podcast. And I was so happy when I found one, you have helped us realize that we aren't in this alone and many people's kids struggle as well. And we're all in this together. Thank you again. Well, thank you for taking the time to write that review. I really appreciate it. Um, I like to hear that I'm helping. So it touches my heart, but it also helps other parents realize that there's some value in the show. So thank you so much. So maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.